Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are looking at lesson number six for Thursday, November 15. You know, I love how this lesson gives me insights, fresh insights to my own Christian experience, looking back at, you know, my own journey and how I've related to traditions as a Seventh-day Adventist. And, you know, I, I've thought about that a little bit more. We talked about yesterday, right, making uh, Sabbath a, a religion of yes versus a tradition of no. And I thought about the invisibility of the church. You know, I talked about those two traditions uh, of in-gathering and door-knocking. And, it, and it, maybe, maybe there's a relationship, right, between those. Maybe there is a relationship between our church having, come, having gradually become more and more invisible to our immediate community. Um, maybe it is related to this tradition of having made a, a Sabbath a religion of no. A religion of no, to some degree... I think, at least from my personal experience, inhibits conversion, prevents it, prevents a genuine conversion experience. And therefore, we are satisfied with just keeping Sabbath holy. <laughs> uh, and the rest of the week, I don't have to live a, a, a righteous, holy life. So I can't wait for Sabbath to finish because there are other things that are occupying the primary spot of my life. Whereas if Sabbath is a religion of yes, it's a delight, it's a blessing, and I'm actually sad when it's done. And that sentiment carries into the rest of the week. Um, Sabbath really was the primary day for witnessing. And in, uh, again, I was reminded of all of this when I would talk to some of the uh, brothers and sisters from El Salvador, and I said, you know, you guys live very difficult lives here, you're very poor, you, you have limited uh, resources, and you're very busy working. When do you have time to do all of these opportunities for witnessing and, and sharing with others? And they tell us, Sabbath afternoon. Sabbath is a day of yes for them, not a day of no's. And because of that, they are very visible, actually. And, and I'm kind of like stealing my own thunder here. But on Sabbath, I'm going to be reporting on this both at the Monroe Church and the Oakwood Church. And, you know... They, they had such a positive impact in their surrounding communities that when it came to the actual building of the churches, these members found that the community around them would come and support, come and help, lay bricks and, and all these things because they had already seen that these were sincere Christians. Christians that, were, that their Christianity did not end when, Sab when Sabbath went down, but was a continual joy, a, a, a a continual growing joy experience for them. So anyways, I, I wanted to also include that today because it will segue on this idea of um, traditions. Uh, today's lesson, the title is A Difficult Solution. And what made it difficult was not that, you know, it was mysteriously hid in the scriptures. Paul saw it. It's in the book of Genesis. There was really no, no difficulty seeing that Abraham received the promise while he was circumcised and the promise was repeated to him after circumcision. So circumcision was not the real issue, but faith in God, faith in that God that had made Abraham the promise of a seed, a descendant that would redeem the human race from sin and death. Traditions is the issue. And it, the question that I, this question, this lesson asked on Thursday, I thought it was very good. Um, before I read that question to you, though, I want to read something that I put uh, a big star and I said prophetic statement. 
in light of what just happened in, in regards to year-end meetings, the dialogue that has been happening um, on social media and elsewhere, uh, as the North American division year-end meetings took place, that this last paragraph on Thursdays, I put, is prophetic. <laughs> um, it says, we see here in Acts a powerful example of how the early church, through submission to the Word of God, along with a mindset of love, unity, and trust, could, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, avert what could have been a major crisis of unity. Man, I'm praying that our leaders in their busyness will not think that they're too busy to study this Sabbath school lesson. I hope that God will use this quarterly, is timely, I believe is providential. So, the end of the lesson asks this question. What does this account teach us about how important it is for us not only to listen to what others are saying, but to consider that they might be right, even when what they say is not exactly what we want to hear? I thought that was a very good question. Actually related to the question, uh, the last question that was asked the day before on Wednesday, which asked a more personal question. That question says, was there ever a time you changed your mind about how you understood a deeply held belief? What did you learn from the experience that could perhaps help you when you might gain, again have to question your understanding of a belief? I think they're related, you know, because this issue that our church right now is going through is about one side sees it this way, the other side sees it the other way, and both are convinced you're right. And here it says that on Thursdays, how important is it for us to not only listen to what others are saying, but to consider the possibility that they may just be right. Hmm. Have you ever changed your mind? I did. Um, I remember growing up, uh, my dad was a coal porter, a literature evangelist, or as I try to tell my friends from that are not Adventists, he was a missionary uh, through books. He entered new territories through literature, Christian literature. And so I grew up understanding certain things, you know, state of the dead, Sabbath, those were kind of clear. But it was very crystal clear to me how my dad understood the, this teaching called the investigative judgment. Keep in mind, this is late 80s, early, late 70s, early 80s. When I would hear my dad do evangelistic series and my uncle do evangelistic series, um, this subject really put me um, at very unease. Number one, because I thought this is this is truth, because my dad's teaching it, my uncle is teaching it, and they know their Bibles pretty good, so it has to be right. Those are, you know, that's um, fertile ground for traditions to grow. When you assume people that you respect that simply because they're teaching it, it must be true, and you never check it out yourself. And I think this is how Adventism has developed some traditions that have lingered for years. And he has taken uh, individuals to go back to scriptures and say, uh, I don't see it there. Well, that's what happened to me. Now, I'm going to share with you in brief what was being taught by my dad, my uncle, and many others in South America, and I'm sure here in the States as well. It went a little something like this. The investigative judgment centered on the books that were 
uh, kept in heaven with our life's records. And that at any given moment, without any knowledge to ourselves, God could just randomly or sequentially, we don't know, but just right now be opening the book with your name on it and checking to see where you are at spiritually. And if at that moment you were stealing a car, saying profanity words, lusting, doing whatever, cheating on your exams, and your name came up, God would say, oh, look at that. We, we just happened to find so-and-so doing these things off the book of life. And so today, brothers and sisters, today, if, if you are not sure where you need to be, make your heart right with God because your name could be coming up in the books of heaven. And what if God, you know? So I would go home thinking, boy, oh boy, this is like Russian roulette for heaven. And I don't like it. It's unnerving. There's no joy. And I can understand why out of that context, a religion of no for Sabbath could come, like we talked in, a previous, in the previous podcast. So I, I, for years, I believed that. But I didn't know it was a Seventh-day Adventist tradition. And I need to be careful. The Seventh-day Adventist church never taught that. But there were preachers and evangelists teaching this. I don't know how these things fell through the cracks, but it did. I was just talking to a brother, a pastor, Alexander Ribacek. We were both in El Salvador having an a, a evening walk back to our room. And we were sharing back and forth some of these Adventist traditions that were wrong. And he had the identical view taught in Russia. So I, I, that moment, I just knew it was not a phenomenon in Argentina or Bolivia. Somehow, that thing crept into our church. And it didn't make sense to me. Deep down, I'm like, this just does not sound like God, not like, like the Jesus that I read. So I decided to go and, you know what? Search for myself. Can you believe that? A Seventh-day Adventist searching for themselves. Go figure. So... <laughs> I went and read this book called The Great Controversy. I thought for sure they got it out of that book. It's not there. It's not there. That version is not there. That there is books, yes. All that, it's in the Bible. The Bible is pretty clear. Read Revelation 20. The books are there. Jesus spoke, speaks about the books. That your names are written in the books of heaven. So the book of Psalms, just that, that's clearly biblical. But how it had been preached by my dad and my uncle was not. It was not. So, I mean, it, it left choice out of the picture. God just randomly picks you. Boom, today was the day in which you were looked at. And because today you had a bad day, boom, it just, you've lost your eternal life. Case closed. No need for repentance. You may want to go back, but sorry, you, you should have been doing better today. Well, now you understand why um, for, for many Adventists, this idea of assurance of salvation, joy of the Lord, were foreign things. Certainly was for me. So all of this to tell you that you may think that what you were taught is truth. But how do you know that what you were taught was not a, a quote-unquote Adventist tradition or as some people call it Adventist myths, really? Things that are not scripture, things that have never been taught by our church. 
it was such a mind-blowing thing. I thought, well, maybe our church used to teach this stuff and it doesn't teach it anymore. We never taught this. I don't know how, where it came from. Maybe it got morphed, maybe it took decades. I don't know. And I'm not going to spend time researching. Maybe someone has. I'll come across a book. If you have, please pass it on. Then I'll know where it came from. But it is not something that our church officially, none of our leaders, not Ellen White, taught about the investigative judgment. So it made me think, you know, um, stuff like this. For some people that lived through that generation, people older than me probably as well, maybe they've been disenchanted because they were controlled by this. You know, they were, their behaviors were controlled by this fear. And now, you know, theologians, I remember taking a class by Professor uh, Dr. G.D. Moscala, just became that much clearer. They just confirmed uh, what I had been studying on my own. And they just did it way clearer, more thoroughly, more comprehensively. But boom, there it is. I'm not the only one that, that sees it consistently in the scriptures. And it was almost scary ditching that and saying, am I ditching truth? No, 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 no. It's not in the Bible. It's not there. So it's not truth. So I'm not discarding truth. I'm discarding a tradition that crept into our church that was extremely false. So, um, I, I hope you understand that the Seventh-day Adventist Church never taught that in our official quote-unquote literature, Sabbath schools, etc. That was not part of the communication in regards to the investigative judgment. That some people loaded it and slanted it in a more legalistic way, that's a different story. But our church didn't, and that was a relief to me. There's a difference between thinking that there's no absolute truth. And this is where I want to close today. Many of our Adventist um, brothers and sisters that are in our church today, the older crowd, some of them have responded to this in different ways. But one of the ones that I'm seeing um, and I feel sad about is individuals that have espoused this idea of, man, you know, if that was wrong, then what else is wrong? And then the world comes with this, there's really no absolute truth. Um, so stop obsessing about trying to understand and uh, understand prophecy and just focus on the big picture. You know, that focus on the big picture, I think, is a code word for there's no absolutes. And that's that's a big mantra today. But, you know, if you think things through in that, it defeats any incentive for study, for deep, meaningful study and searching. Because if you really do believe that there is no absolute truth, then what are you searching for? What are you searching for? I think a healthier perspective is for <laughs> to espouse the biblical view. What Jesus says to his disciples, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear it at this time. So there is a limitation to understanding absolute truth, but it's not with God, nor with the existence of it. It does exist. It's that our understanding of it is gradual, progressive, and largely dependent on our uh, embracing humility, Embracing a dependence on God, yielding to Him, uh, living a connected, submissive life to His will. All of those are contingent upon growing in our understanding of absolute truth. Jesus said it in John chapter 16. When the Spirit of truth shall come, He will guide you into not some truth, but all truth. He will guide you into it. It's a process. Not because this, God doesn't want to reveal the whole thing, but because like Jesus said to the disciples, we cannot bear it all at once. 
but it exists absolute truth exists and you and i can pursue that that becomes a beautiful uh, way to wake up in the morning as a christian i want to understand this more i want the holy spirit to guide me one step closer one step clearer and as we do this we will identify a better way of expressing things or explaining things and in the process like for me to shed those things that have nothing to do with the gospel, the Bible, spiritual prophecy, or Jesus Christ, or any of that. Shedding those things, shedding these explanations that, you know, sometimes we, we can wag our fingers at other churches for using fear as a motivating factor to get people into the church, but maybe we're not so innocent in that department either. Maybe we also discovered that the baptistry can fill up quite quickly when you scare the heebie-jeebies out of people and scare them into the baptistry. And he has backfired on us when over half the people we baptize don't stay. Love, on the other hand, love compelled people to be burned at the stake, to get eaten alive by beasts. I think love's a better way. And for me, that's, that's where this whole thing boils down to. This absolute thing absolute truth venture is not about finding absolute facts but an absolute god because jesus says i am the way the truth the life ultimately you and i can come to know god and the seventh you have in this church as far as i'm concerned is the church that will give you the greatest tools and foundation to become the closest as close as possible to understand god's character for who he really is our Baptist brothers and sisters, Catholic brothers and sisters. I mean, there's a reason why the Protestant Reformation took place in the first place. It's because the Christian church has diverted so far away because of traditions that God himself, it wasn't even circumcision that had become inundated with, with traditions, but God himself, his character had become so cluttered with these distorted lenses of human traditions. God was unrecognizable as far as who he really was. We're not done yet. So you, you who are studying this lesson, how do you know that what you believe, everything you believe comes from the Bible, even if you are a Seventh-day Adventist? The church, I believe, the official documents, if you want to use that language, is consistent and is biblical. That book, The 28 Fundamental Beliefs of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, I love the fact that we, it used to be the 27, which means that we are a church that is refusing to get uh, calcified with creeds and these dogmatic, you know, irreversible, unchangeable statements of beliefs. Um, it's good to have some foundations, but you have to stay humble about it. And one, one of the core things that I love about our church is that we officially embrace the fact that we may not understand the truth completely as well as we could, and we need to give wiggle room to better express and better understand what we understand right now. I'm so happy for that. Uh, it gives me an incentive to, to continue study because there's so much more. The, the, the book of truth has not been shut down. The Bible is still very wide open. It's like unexplored territory. It's like the universe. It's like the ocean. There, we have barely scratched the surface. I mean, scientists get excited. Um, oceanographers get, get excited, astronomers get excited uh, because they see the boundless possibilities of exploration. You and I, Christian, we are not simply studying the universe or the oceans. We are invited to study the one who created them. What a great incentive.
We may not get everything right now, but brother and sister, there is something precious God wants to reveal to you and it's in the pages of His Word. Will, it open, will you open it? Will you search for it? God wants to bless you with a deeper knowledge of who He is personally. So don't let you know bad experiences of the past discourage you from pursuing. I didn't. I'm glad I shed those things that were not biblical. It freed me to pursue God and see Him for who He really is. And it is my desire through these podcasts, through these Sabbath school lessons, that you will have a fresh desire to pursue the knowledge of God. John 17, 3 tells us that to know God is eternal life. So my friend, open the Bible. God is waiting to reveal Himself to you.